Hey everybody, before we get into the audio today, I wanna to let you know that I did have a little bit of a recording issue on my end. It is not the high quality audio that I would like to give you. I've got a little bit of a new setup here and things are not syncing up the way that I would like them to. Long story short, everything is good when Grace and I are talking before I hit record, but once I hit record, everything goes out of whack and I did not notice it until I went to edit today. So I wanna let you know, I'm working on it. I'm trying to fix it. I will be double and triple checking everything moving forward as I get used to this new configuration. But I wanted to let you know that I apologize for that. And I'm gonna try not to let it happen again. I know it's happened once or twice in the past few weeks, but it's frustrating me just as much as it's probably frustrating you. But with all of that being said, here is Thursday's Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, September 21st, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Timoney. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, um, coming up over the weekend, I've mentioned this before, I'm going to be chatting with our friend Kate Ranking, regular traveler to New York City, even though they live in Colorado, theater, TikTok influencer of the highest order. Really looking forward to that conversation. It'll be happening later today, and then it'll be coming out over the weekend. So if you want to hear that Patreon-exclusive interview, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. It will be on the second tier up, the $10 tier and higher. So if you want to check that out, as well as all of our other uh, Patreon exclusives, make sure that you head over there. I guess, Grace, we have to do... I guess we don't have to do a third one since we just started the Patreon in the middle of the month, but maybe next week you and I can just do a a chat gossip tea session where we just kind of riff on things that we normally talk about in text and after we record or something. Maybe we can do that next week. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, there are certain things that I know we can't talk about, but uh, the things we can either talk about or at least hint at. We will have that uh, in that episode, so it'll come out probably next week slash weekend. But let's dive into the news, Grace. A lot of like a bunch of little stuff. I mean, some bigger than others, obviously. But let's start out over in London, because yesterday the cast was announced for the upcoming world premiere of Stranger Things, colon, The First Shadow, the live stage show that is based on the Netflix series. It is a prequel to the show in the four seasons that you have seen on Netflix thus far, but they have teased that it will be interconnected with what you have already seen. And more importantly, what we will see in the fifth and final season of Stranger Things on Netflix. Performances will begin on November 17th with an opening coming up just about a month later on December 14th. The show is written by Kate Treffery and directed by Stephen Daldry with co-direction by Justin Martin. It is produced by Sonia Friedman Productions and Netflix, of course. Now, Grace, as you are probably not surprised in in the same fashion as Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, it is a fairly big cast. And I don't watch Stranger Things. I watched the first season. So what I did was is I went through and I made a chart of who the stage actors were what characters they were playing, and what, if I could determine it, were their connection to the people in the TV show, whether it's an actual literal character who's in both, or maybe a a parent or something. So I'm going to run through some of these and point out who some of them are, but please forgive me if I don't know all of them, because uh, like I said, I only watched the first season, and that was a long time ago. But Shane Atwell will be playing Chief Hopper. I believe that is the father of the character played by David Harbour because Oscar Lloyd plays James Hopper Jr. And this is a prequel. This is set in the past. So I think that this is David Harbour's character's dad. But then we have Kimi Awadiru playing Sue Anderson. 
and uh, Amar Dufus playing Charles Sinclair. I believe those are Lucas's parents from the show. We also have Chase Brown playing Lonnie Byers, who is the character played by Ross Partridge on the show. That's Winona Ryder's ex in the show and the father of her two children. Speaking of Winona Ryder's character, Isabella Pappas will be playing Joyce Maldonado. That is her, her maiden name. There are a few fairly familiar names, especially to American audiences. Patrick Vale is in the cast playing Dr. Brenner. He is the character and kind of the bad guy played by Matthew Modine in the show. Lewis McCartney plays Henry Creel, which is the character played by Jamie Campbell Bower in the fourth season. But we will have the complete cast. So I, I think that those are like the main biggies that you probably are all wanting to know. But I'm interested to see how this plays out, Grace. The, the melding of screen cinematic universes with things happening on stage, I think is really exciting. I think it's a little dicey as well if it's not done well. I think you and I both agree that um, we were kind of impressed with how well Cursed Child worked out. And it's still running. It's still doing very well. So that's great. I would not be surprised if this does well too, because Sonia Friedman Productions usually only puts off, you know, great shows. But it does worry me a little bit when they start grabbing for that kind of stuff and trying to interconnect things and it's not done well. But so far, knock on wood, we haven't seen any of that. So I'm I'm optimistic that this one is good. And for all the people who love Stranger Things, which I know there are many, I hope that this adds to the experience of watching the shows, especially since it is ending on Netflix. I will say also, nothing like this has ever been done. Like where you need to have, or, you know, there's a connective tissue between what we're putting on stage, what we're seeing on our screens, um, especially in like chronological order or out there. And I think I'm just so excited for what this could mean for both mediums, to be frank with you. It's just a really exciting, explorative moment for us, like artistically. I mean, I know that sounds like crazy that I'm, you know, it, it sounds like I'm, you know, really talking about, but um, I, I genuinely believe that. Like if there could be something like this for a film franchise or something other, like, I just think that what it could mean for the state of art in, in both mediums could be really huge. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, I love the, the idea behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe as much as I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe itself. Like I love the idea of these interconnected pieces, these interconnected stories, these, these interconnected characters building on each other because in theory, when done well, which the MCU has not done in, in, in recent outings, but when it's done well, that only adds to and enhances the experience of an audience member because it creates even more invested emotions and and experiences that you have to understand who the characters are and where they're coming from. So if we can do something like that by incorporating it into a stage production as well, I think that that's really fascinating and really interesting. And I think it's difficult. I think it's really hard to do just because when you're crossing between mediums, it's difficult to maintain some cohesion in terms of the style of storytelling. Um, it, it works a little bit better when it's just movies, even going from movies to TV, as we've seen, it, it can be very difficult, but I'm excited. I think the right people are involved with this to make it work. So uh, interested to see how this plays out when it begins performances in a couple of months. Coming back here stateside, uh, a big announcement was made on Wednesday. And that is the fact that Carol Rothman is stepping down as the artistic director of Second Stage Theater. She has been the AD since the company was founded in 1979. So she has been running the company for nearly 45 years. She will finish her run in the spring of 2024 at the end of the current season. She has been involved with 
making sure that the company has not only produced over 250 plays and musicals, including things like Next to Normal, Spelling Bee, Dear Evan Hansen, and more, but also from transforming it from a small off-Broadway company to now a huge off-Broadway company who also has a Broadway theater that it owns and operates. The final season, of course, will be a, a pretty exciting one with world premieres by Paula Vogel, the mother play starring Sue Kinaboja, Jessica Lange, and Jim Parsons, and then Brandon Jacob Jenkins' is Appropriate, which will star Sarah Paulson. So whatever you think about what Second Stage has done in, uh, in the past, it has certainly brought a lot of shows that people love to the stage, and I, I'm hoping that that final season under Rothman is an exciting one. Obviously, Paula Vogel and Brandon Jacob Jenkins' is works are always well appreciated. So everything else aside, that is uh, a, a great way to end a 45-year tenure. Speaking of the business side of things, Grace, yesterday uh, in the Broadway Journal, Philip Boroff has just a, a really kind of fascinating look at the upcoming Broadway revival of Cabaret and looking at the the finance of it, finances of it. He has gotten his hands on a preliminary budget and a recruit, recruitment chart for the West End transfer. And apparently the show is coming in at a price tag of $24.25 million, which is a record for a Broadway revival. Records, as we talk about when it comes to money on Broadway, don't really mean a whole lot just because it's hard to compare something from 2023, 2024 season to like something that happened in you know, 2003, 2004, just because of like inflation and cost of living and all that stuff. Um, but what I think is most interesting about this is that the biggest line item in uh, the budget is a huge transformation of the August Wilson theater into a, you know, the whole Kit Kat club nightclub, um, which is something that they did similarly in London as well. So a big $9.4 million expenditure there. They are going to decrease the size of the August Wilson in terms of seating capacity by about 200 seats down to 1,050 seats. This is also going to kind of factor in uh, the fact that they're going to kind of make up some of that money because they will be serving presumably like they did in London, dinner at seats and stuff because it is a club. And the other thing that I think is really interesting out of this article is uh, how long it's going to take them to recoup, presuming that they can command an average ticket price of $248, which means that they would gross $2.1 million per week if they sold out. It will take them about a year to recoup, which Hamilton, which cost about half as much as Cabaret did, um, was able to do it in six weeks with similar numbers. If they average more around where Sweeney Todd is right now as an average ticket price of like $176, it would take them two and a half years. So this is a pretty big gamble in terms of finances, as Philip Baroff points out there. But as well as it's done over in London, both in terms of the box office and the awards, it might be something that people are worth doing, especially because it, it, it could be a pretty prestigious credential to put on a resume. So I know you saw it in London. You loved it. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do here. They have still not announced any casting or uh, other than Eddie Redmayne returning to the role of the MC, but I'm kind of fascinated by how expensive this is, which well, is not that, always a good I will, thing. I will clarify that is rumored. That was still not announced. So, you know what I mean? Uh, for Eddie, like that's, that was, I think put in the, the maybe Broadway journal question mark. Yes. That's what he, he broke it as yeah. well. But um, certainly there's not been some kind of like formalized announcement of it all. And I'm very curious. Um, I did love it on the West End. And I, I mean, I, I felt like it was such a luxurious, different experience. I did not feel like I was and and not that Broadway, you know, is is just kind of like whatever. Like it's 
it's still elevated, but there was just something different about it that I have a feeling that this knowing that the the ticket is a different ticket, similar to like when you go to 54 below, it's a different experience than if you were just to go stand for a concert. Like you're, you're sitting down sometimes, sometimes you're sitting down to like food and bev. Sometimes you're, you know, collaborate. It just felt, it, it genuinely felt like a different experience. I wanted to go to the Kit Kat club and also I'm seeing cabaret versus just buying a ticket to the theater. I genuinely feel like it's a different thing. So it makes sense that it also will cost a different thing. Um, but I am curious as well. All right, let's get into some show and casting news out in Arizona, where they are going to be having the world premiere of Tiananmen, a new musical. We have a new star. We know that Zachary Noah Pizer had originally been announced to play the role of Pai Wen in the show, and he pulled out while he was in a a concert tour in uh, in and around China. Now we know that Kennedy Kanagawa, who had previously been announced to be in the cast, will be taking over the lead role when the show begins performances on October 4th in just a couple weeks at the Phoenix Theater Company. We still haven't had much of a statement from Pizer as to why he departed the company, other than he posted something and just said that he was not going to be a part of it anymore. Uh, for his part, uh, Kennedy Kanagawa said, quote, I'm proud to bring this powerful story to the stage. We have an amazing cast, and I can't wait for our hard work to come to life at the Phoenix Theater Company this October. Moving back to New York City, yesterday the cast was announced for the upcoming off-Broadway musical Cyclops, colon, a rock opera. It'll begin performances on October 20th at The Tank. And in the cast, who has already been previously announced, are Eric William Morris from White Girl in Danger and King Kong on Broadway. He's playing Odysseus. Corey Lee Blossie, who has been in Aladdin, plays Cyclops uh, Polyphemus. And then yesterday, the big announcement was that former Broadway radio guest and Freestyle Love Supremes, Anissa Folds, who also did Trading Places in Atlanta, which I believe you saw, Grace. She has joined the cast as well as Dionysus, the god of wine, women, and song. So fascinated about this. Love Greek mythology and love, uh, love young niece. So... Interesting to see what this one is all about when it begins performances in about a month. Uh, okay, now I've got some some stories, Grace, about shows that are going to be doing some sort of developmental workshops or presentations. The first one, fairly uh, interesting story. One it is for a new musical called Runaway Home with a book and lyrics by Darren J. Butler and music and lyrics by Judy Rodman. It'll have readings today and tomorrow in New York City. Emma Denson is directing, and it will star Olivia Hardy. Michael Park, Melissa Gilbert, and Abigail Breslin, as well as Max Bartos, uh, and others will have the complete cast in there. This one is a pop rock musical about a young woman fighting against a dark world of forced sex and drug trafficking to rediscover her true purpose in life and create a new path for herself with the help of the unlikely community that forms around her. Certainly difficult stuff there, but uh, with a cast like this, I'm sure it will be pretty incredible, Grace. Yeah, I'm really interested. Uh, really challenging subject matter. Don't know how that's going to play out, but I want to go in with an open heart first. Um, I want to say that Max Bartos was a part of the original Sing Street cast, and I have followed his music. He uh -huh. has his own like solo music career. He is such a delight to see like on social, and um, I'm just really excited for him to be a part of this, for sure. The next one up is a play called Dracula, Let Me Count the Ways. Not to be confused with Dracula, Comedy of Terrors, which is currently running off-Broadway. This one actually already happened. It happened last week. It was directed by Mark Brokaw, and the Manhattan Theater Club ran the, the invitation-only reading, 
and it starred Christopher Maloney of Law & Order fame as Dracula and Marina Baccarin of, uh, she was in all the Deadpool movies, she was in Homeland, and just like, she's great and everything she does. She played Lucy, so very interested in that. Also in the cast, Stephen Boyer, Andy Gratolution, John Ellison Conley, Anne Harada, David Furr, many, many others. So very cool. Uh, don't know what's coming up with that, but sounds interesting. I want to throw out that I can confirm this was the group because I was in a fire drill with all of them last week. So I I, I kind of told you this, Matt, on the slide, but um, I I was having to uh, evacuate a building due to a, a, a possible fire situation. Luckily, there was nothing going on. But as soon as I was in the you know exit pool, I noticed Andy Gratolution, who I adore again from Assassins and uh, Sign and Cindy Brucey's window and everything. I just I, honestly, I'm like a huge fan of his anyways, but have been lucky to work with him. Um, and then I see Christopher Maloney following me. I, I mean, we were all single file running outside. And all I could think was how I have been watching reruns of Oz and watching oh, him God. do a atrocious things. Um, and I was not prepared mentally to have stayed up all night rewatching Oz and then be um, at a place the next day and having to evacuate a building alongside him. I wanted to say thank you for your work. I'm terrified, but thank you. So um, great, great group there. Just saying. Wow. What a turn of events uh, that is uh, for you, especially knowing what that show is all about and, and who his character is in that show. But very fun. Uh, all right, the last one here is a an upcoming industry presentation of a new musical called An Entirely Ordinary Town. It features a book and lyrics by Alex Giles and David Russell and music by Andy Patterson. Uh, Will Nunziato is directing the presentation and it features Ari Axelrod, Clea Blackhurst, Todd Buonapane, Troy Owada, my friend Mauricio Martinez, Gabriela Rodriguez, and Lauren Robinson. This one is a musical that follows Jay and Ava as they discover the concept of love in a place where love is banished. When they dive headfirst through a portal to another world to live out their dream, they send ripples back to their old town. Interesting. Very fun there. All right, Grace, this is, uh, I'm going to get to the, the feel-good recommendations, but I want to give everybody a little bit of a spoiler warning on here. I'm going to try not to spoil anything, but just for like general, if you don't want to know anything about the third season of Only Murders in the Building, then maybe fast forward 30 seconds or a minute or so. But in this most recent episode, they gave us a full rendition of a song that Steve Martin's character has been working on all season. It is called Which of the Pickwick Triplets? Which of the Pickwick Triplets did yeah. it? Which of the I know the whole okay, thing. Okay, that is it. So that's all out now. It's available on Spotify. The whole they have like a whole I guess soundtrack, but like a cast album um, available on it. This song specifically was written by Bench Pask and Justin Paul, as well as Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. So getting like two heavy hitter Broadway songwriting teams to collaborate on this but you know the song grace let me ask you this question mm. it sounds a lot like a song that officer lockstock might have sang in urine town does it not am i am i reading too much into that but that's what i get that's the vibe i get it does and so just also so everyone knows it's a patter song and that's really important to the plot um oh, God, it yeah. definitely sounds like that for sure which of the pick, which triplets did it? Which did the... <laughs> so yeah, perfect. Yes. Uh, so every time I hear it, I feel like it, like part of it, not all of it, is 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 lock stocky. But there's there's definitely parts of it where I'm like, okay, he's Steve Martin's character is playing a detective. I can't remember a constable or whatever. Um, 
So there's a little bit of a connection there, but this is great. If you're not watching Only Murders in the Building this season, I think this very well might be their best season. And it, uh, of course, I might be biased because it is specifically set around a Broadway uh, play slash musical. Um, but I think it's great. And the, the all of the theater folks that are showing up there are very cool as well. So uh, check that out. Only a couple more episodes, I believe, before the season finale. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Thursday. We'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.